Before we get started, shortly after Sean and I recorded this episode of Trek in Time, the news came out that Nichelle Nichols had died at the age of 89. And it goes without saying that we're deeply saddened by her loss. And she didn't just break ground as one of the first prominent black women on television, but she was an inspiration for a generation. And on a personal note, I had a chance to meet her about a decade ago at a NASA event. And she was as welcoming and kind as you can imagine. And also pretty funny. She's going to be missed. Now back to the show. In this episode of Trek in Time, we're going to talk about characters playing out the roles without any of the details getting in the way. That's right. We're talking about Enterprise, episode eight of season three, Twilight, which dropped on November 5th, 2003. Welcome to Trek in Time, where we're watching every episode of Star Trek in chronological order and in history. We're going into a deep dive on the episodes and the order in which the story takes place. And we're also taking a look at the history of the times when the episodes originally aired. So we're still in early days. We're still in enterprise and we are therefore in 2003. And who are we? Well, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids. And with me is my brother, Matt. Matt is the guru and inquisitor behind the YouTube channel undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at merging tech and its impact on our lives. And it's just recently passed 1 million subscribers. Congratulations, Matt. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Looking forward to talking about this episode in particular, which I, spoiler, really enjoyed. Get that out of the way. So mm -hmm. Matt, as usual, we like to start with some viewer comments from previous episodes. So I'll give you an opportunity to share some of that with us now. Okay, so for the first comment I've, we, I want to highlight is from Ajax Chan. He said, uh, I vote for, this is on episode 56, Exile. We had asked, we were talking about like, what do we do with episodes that are, you know, messing with time? So it's like Deep Space Nine going back in time to the original series. Mm -hmm. When are we going to watch those videos? In what order are we going to watch them? He wrote, I vote for yes for including the movies in what we're doing. I agree with the plan to handle time travel. However, you will also need to plan for alternative timelines. Mm -hmm. Not sure if this is right. And then he gave us an entire list of Enterprise, Discovery Seasons 1 and 2, then Strange New World, Star Trek 2009, Into Darkness. He gave us the entire rundown of what he thinks. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of like the way he broke it down. So I think you and I at some point are probably going to have to sit down and go through that list and determine if we want to do it that way. That is a pretty nice list and it is pretty exhaustive too. I, I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, AJ, you're maybe stepping in as the third brother on this <laughs> by putting this together in this way. Really terrific. One of the next comments is from the puzzle maker and it was from the same episode, uh, episode 56 of our show on exile. Um, I have a question. What would you do if in the progress of making this podcast, a new series comes out that is in the time period you've already covered? He wrote, time travel would be a solution, I suppose, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. The, yeah, the way they're coming out with yeah. shows on uh, the CBS app, all that stuff, the way they're doing it now, it, we are in, definitely in danger of that happening because they're <laughs> releasing things all over the place. I think it's actually highly likely that yeah. this will happen. And as a matter of fact, I had a discussion with my girlfriend this morning where she suddenly was very concerned about this particular thing. It's very funny that you pulled this comment out because she said, what are you going to do? What are you going to, you and Matt need to plan. What are you going to do? And I said, 
We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But ultimately, what I think we would do is reach the end of whatever cycle we happen to be in Mm -hmm. and then go back and cover the new episodes of whatever was out of order. So if a new show came out this year that's about uh, some of the characters on Enterprise taking place as a prequel to Enterprise, I would argue that we would finish the Enterprise cycle and then back and fill in those gaps. And as far as the podcast is concerned, as far as the order of episodes is concerned, people can listen to the episodes of the podcast in whatever order they want. So if somebody, let's say five years from now, wants to come in and listen to all of this in the new chronological order, they could manage that on their own in the same way we're managing watching the episodes in chronological right. order. So uh, it is, as the puzzle maker points out, it is a conundrum, but it is one that we can only manage as who we are, which is we're given the episodes we've got right now. If they add more, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll incorporate things as best we can. And if that means a little bit of back and forth, or maybe even waiting for a series to be done before covering it, uh, Mm -hmm. that's another possibility. Like we've talked about strange new worlds. It is theoretically possible that we could catch up to strange new worlds before it's done. Yep. So we would have to evaluate, like, how are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with that? So these are in the big scheme of things. These are good problems to have to be (laughs) worried about. How are we going to talk about star Trek? I I love that being the problem. So, yeah. And the last thing I want to bring up is Sean at the end of every episode, you know, tells people to go out and write and review us. And the last one, he said, if he's just going out and saying, I like these guys, right right i like these guys and we had several comments in the last episode that were just i like these guys so i just want to thank uh kelly william and robotrav for uh the little uh little boost for us there that's awesome thank you very much yeah thank you thank you so much it's nice to know that uh you're not just here for the trek but maybe you're here for a little bit of us (laughs) (laughs) and now post that winking sound effect You'll notice there's another sound effect. Well, yes, that's that's the read alert. It's time for Matt to read the Wikipedia description for this episode. And it's a great return to form for Wikipedia synopses. So, oh boy, enjoy. Matt. So I, I'm, I should probably strap myself in for this one. I think you should get ready. <laughs> okay. Twilight is the eighth episode of the third season of the American science fiction television series Star Trek Enterprise, originally broadcast on November 5th, 2003. It was the 60th episode of the series overall. The episode was written by co-producer Michael Sussman and directed by former Star Trek Voyager actor Robert Duncan McNeil. Set in the 22nd Mm -hmm. century, the series follows the adventures of the first Starfleet Starship Enterprise registration NX-01. In this episode, following an accident, Captain Jonathan Archer's... (laughs) The way this is written is so weird. Yeah, it's a possessive (laughs) of Scott Bakula. Yes. (laughs) Captain Jonathan Archer's Scott Bakula long-term memory is affected and is re- and he's relieved of duty the crew of the enterprise subsequently fail to stop the zindi attack on the earth resulting in the remnants of the human race resettling another planet dr flox john billingsley finds a way of curing archer in the past in the hope that it would undo everything since captain archer since captain was originally injured 
Woo. That was a lot of yeah. stuff to read. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a little wrong on some of the details. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. it hits all the high notes. As Matt mentioned, this was directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, Paris, Tom Paris from Voyager. Uh, not the first episode that we've seen him direct of Enterprise. And like his cohort, who played Bellana Torres, the two of them have some good directing chops. This episode, I thought, had some very nice moments. It has a lot of very quiet moments, which mm-hmm. are touching. And it has some action sequences, which are uh, especially the CGI stuff with the uh, space battles are well mm-hmm. are well done. And I thought it was also some very smart, let's save money where we can, reusage of Zindi attacks within the ship. I did yep. not mind it, even though I recognized the sequences. They were the same right. sequences from the last time the Zindi got aboard the ship. Look, if you're going to use that as a shortcut, that's fine. Nobody is saying anything. People are walking through the hallway shooting each other. I had no problem with that. This episode aired on November 5th, 2003, and it included guest appearances by Gary Graham as Ambassador Saval. Back again after a kind of lengthy absence. We haven't seen Ambassador Saval in a while. Yep. Brett Reckaby as Yedrin Koss and Richard Anthony Crenna as a guard. What was the world like when this episode aired? Well, Matt, in fall, November, Early November of 2003. I know what you were singing. Do you remember what you were singing? That's right. You were singing Here Without You by Three Doors Down. (laughs) Okay. All right. And at the movie theaters, people were going to Scary Movie 3 for the second week in a row. There was a gap in episode broadcasts because, smartly, the network was like, let's not try and compete with baseball. So there was a gap. The last time we've talked about an episode was an episode that aired in mid-October. So there were a couple of weeks of no episodes. And in that absence, Scary Movie 3 was debuted and it held the top spot. This is surprising to me. I never thought that these movies were this popular, but Scary Movie 3 held the top spot for two weeks in a row. It debuted the week earlier with 48 million and it gained another 20 in week two. And on television, what was the competition like? Well, it continued to be a lot like My Wife and Kids and It's All Relative on ABC, both of which pulled in between 8 and 10 million. The Country Musical Association Awards aired on CBS to 20 million viewers. That 70s show and A Minute with Stan Hooper, a show which I have zero recollection of, <laughs> both had between 5 and 7 million on Fox. Ed got 9 million on NBC. And Smallville pulled in $6 million on WB. And Star Trek Enterprise, well, it maintained what has been a pretty consistent number, 4 million viewers. I have a feeling that I could just record myself saying 4 million viewers and reuse that phrase just like they reused the attack sequence by the Zindi in this episode. <laughs> and from the New York Times, I chose this headline as a result of its being tied to the lingering ongoing questions around war questions around how do you conduct it? What do you do once you've entered into it? And what does it mean to do something like this? This is the point of this entire season of enterprise where it is in the attempt to put off an attack that they fear is coming. The enterprise has ventured deep into the expanse 
to stop the Zindi from destroying humanity. And up to this point, the season has dealt with questions of, well, is this even necessary? It has started to have a drip, drip, drip of, well, not all Zindi are like Zindi that have attacked us. Not all Zindi are as aggressive as what we fear. Not all Zindi are the same. And that begins to chip away at the ideas of, well, do we need to even be doing this? What is it that we're doing? How do we conduct this? And I thought that this New York Times article from November 5th, 2003, kind of spoke to that. An issue for Bush, how to speak of casualties. When the Chinook helicopter was shot down on Sunday in Iraq, killing 15 Americans, President Bush let his defense secretary do the talking and stayed out of sight at his ranch. The president has not attended the funeral of any American soldiers killed in action, White House officials say. And with violence in Baghdad dominating the headlines this week, he has used his public appearances to focus on the health of the economy and the wildfires in California. The quandary for Mr. Bush administration officials say is in finding a balance, expressing sympathy for fallen soldiers without drawing more attention to the casualties by commenting daily on every new death. It is the legacy of the Iraq war that this is what was happening Mm -hmm. quote after the cessation of hostilities. We were no longer in active combat at this point, but there was the growing insurrectionist element in Iraq that was continuing to push back against us occupation. And ultimately the entire reason for our going would never prove to be fruitful. We went there to find weapons of mass destruction. Those weapons were never found. So I thought it tied in nicely with the themes of the season so far. And I think this episode in particular does a very interesting thing in how it tells the story of why they're there, right. what they are doing. It is a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's like a reset button, but it's a nice reminder button that we've had the drip, drip, drip of like, what are we doing here? Do we actually hate all these people? Do they all actually hate us? Is this what we're like? What are we trying to accomplish here? What is our mission? And then here we have an episode which deals with a wide range of time, not as the result of time travel, which I'm so glad that this didn't involve time travel but through just a telling of a long-term story as the result of Captain Archer's injury, which is effectively puts him into the mode of the lead character in the movie Memento. He can no longer retain, he can no longer create new long-term memories. He lives in the now permanently. And as a result, as we move forward in time, the details of what has happened in between has to be filled in to him and therefore us. And what we find out is ultimately long-term, it looks like all the time travel stuff that they had in the first season, all the little sprinklings of hinting at what was important in this show. There was always the overriding theme of there's something about Archer in particular that is key. Mm -hmm. And this episode underscores that in a way that up to this point, they've only teased it. But at this point, they finally state it in a way that you can hold on to. And I really, really liked that. 
It's yeah. a concrete thing. It's no longer Archer's important because I said Archer's important. We see a future in which Archer steps completely out of his role and what happens in small scale, the crew loses its cohesion and what happens large scale. They do not stop the Zindi threat. In fact, the Zindi don't just stop at destroying earth. There is a Holocaust like genocide that is humanity is pursued everywhere. It's going by the Zindi and is being eradicated. And it is while not showing Holocaust style camps, it's not showing prison camps. It's not showing anything that is clear, like hard destruction of humanity but it does an amazing job of creating a tension and a terror in what has been going on. And it does it very quietly. I really think that the storytelling in this episode is top notch. What did you think yeah. about all this? No, I agree. I think that the storytelling when this was great. I liked this episode. I was, I remembered really liking it when I originally watched it and rewatching it. I was fully engaged. The one thing I'd want to tie back to what you brought up, the relation between the Iraq war and this, is this, do you think it's more of an allegory of Starfleet having the same mentality as the Bush administration going into Iraq? Or do you think the Federation is Iraq? Because the way that the Zindi are attacking Earth is basically what we did going into Iraq. We mm -hmm. think there's weapons of mass destruction. They're going to attack us. They're going to hurt us. We're going to be preemptive, go there and destroy everything. And that's what the Zindi are doing to us. They, they've been told that the Federation is yep. going to obliterate the Zindi. So they're going to be preemptive, go in there and destroy all humanity to protect themselves. Right. So I would argue that the actual analogy is the Zindi are the United States and the Federation is kind of like the invaded country mm -hmm. fighting back against that mentality of preemptive strikes. I think that, I think that one of the strengths of the episode is yes, I think it does have that, uh, model. I also think it has both. I think one of the strengths of the storytelling in this season is that yeah. it is saying ultimately it doesn't really matter who thinks they're the aggrieved party. Yep. Both think they're the aggrieved party. Yep. Both of them, depending on how this all plays out, if the Zindi storyline that's presented here were a TV show we were seeing from the other side, we'd be rooting for the Zindi and yep. we would agree with the idea of like, yeah, you got to stop those humans from, from getting to you. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of who wins gets to write the history. And I think that that's one of the things in this episode in particular and the season at large that it does a good job with the idea well, of both sides are saying, I'm scared of the unknown. I'm scared of what they might do. Therefore I have to strike first. Both sides are saying that. So you can, you can watch it from the perspective of, oh, the Federation is like the US and here is this other entity, which is like the, the enemy party, or you can flip that model. I think you can do it both ways. And ultimately it's about, yeah, maybe you should have some empathy. Maybe you should be looking at things from both sides. Maybe you should try maybe mm -hmm. having that opportunity to go in and say like, look, what do you think we're doing? Like nobody on either side has had that opportunity to talk yet. The first chance was in the last episode, the shipment where Archer has an opportunity to meet with a miner who is taking out a component that is used to create that weapon. It's the first opportunity that Archer has to say, what do you have against us? And his response is like, I've never even heard of you people. 
well, yeah, the way the way that you break out of the cycle of violence is that you have to talk. <laughs> that's that's re what's required, and they're they're making it clear in the episodes that Archer is the one that's trying to find the path towards that to break yeah. the cycle to make sure that this isn't just us versus them trying to wipe each other out. It's yeah. there's got to be a better path. But to the specifics of this episode, um, my, my, my take was I thought one of the things I really appreciated was how well it was written because. Mm -hmm. This deals with time, yeah. but it's not time travel. Yeah. And they avoided that horrible mess that you typically end up in Star Trek when it's like, oh, let's go back in time and like rewrite things or, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. It avoids that. And I thought it was ingenious that he is infected with this um, microbe. I can't remember what is that, the yeah. infection yeah. that is basically out of time. It is yeah. an infection that is existing outside of space time. So when they end up figuring out how to obliterate it in the future it erases it from all of every moment of history yeah so it's fa a fantastic conceit that they came up with and i just it is like a, so yeah, it is a terrific yeah it is yeah. a terrific hard sci-fi element yeah in what is otherwise a a kind of um almost our town storytelling like yeah. it is a very quiet character driven story showing as I mentioned at the beginning, characters playing out their roles without the details getting in the way. You see, T'Pol has become captain. She's giving a, she's given a field commission. She leaves the Vulcan uh, command entirely, is now donning a Starfleet uniform and is and is captain of the Enterprise and makes decisions that her crew does not agree with. You see her eventually leave captaining so that she can just take care of archer permanently they live on the planet which did you catch the the location yeah, oh, yeah, of the, the human county yes lovely lovely throwback this there city alpha five yes the city alpha five <laughs> is where they're located and of course we all know what's going to happen to that so ultimately even if the zindi don't show up i was they're like screwed well they're screwed anyway like it's yep. going to take a couple of centuries but that planet's not going to bode uh do anything good for them but you see her committed to him in a way that goes beyond a first officer serving a captain. It becomes a one way romantic relationship and just one of, of like a deep companionship that has developed into love for her Yes, where he doesn't have enough recollection from moment to moment to understand that their relationship has changed until in this episode, they have a conversation where he is pointedly saying like, what, how deep is our relationship? What is going on here? And the same with flocks who, when he returns with word of, I finally did it. I mm -hmm. figured out a solution here. He reveals that he has spent years now basically becoming, yeah, he's, he spent a decade becoming a quantum physicist. Yep. He, this is not somebody who, you know, like in his spare time did things that happened to lead to this cure. He makes a statement early on in the episode, I will devote myself to figuring out a cure here. And then shows up 10 years later and basically without saying it says, yeah, I had to become a quantum engineer to determine what would actually, without it being an implosion, what would actually get rid of these things? And I figured it out and he builds a device to do that. And so 
well, and it works. It's remarkable. It's a remarkable bit of storytelling sh- showing characters in a way that is basically the equivalent of the Picard series now. Yep. Like yeah. jumping forward in time and saying like, so what's been going on with these people? How do we catch up to that? Well, it's also, it's also interesting to show nothing that happened feels like it's out of character for those characters. Yeah. Nothing in this episode. And I have to applaud them. They, they stuck to the character Bible that they probably had written up. They were very true to characters. And I loved that they brought up the intimate relationship between DePaul and the captain that is not reciprocated because he can't, but there's definite love there and affection and care, or she wouldn't be doing what she did as long as she did. Yeah. And it's very true to her character. She's a loyal character on the show. And this loyalty expands and they expanded upon that, which I thought was beautiful. And then for Phlox, he is just a good person that wants to do the best thing he can do. He wants to help people. And the fact that he spent a decade and rededicated himself to figuring this out, to me, it felt very true to that character. It didn't feel like it was contrived for this episode. It felt like he would do that. That's exactly what he, this kind of person he is, what he would do, which ties into one of the, the plot elements of the show when they find that little ship that's orbiting the sun really close. Mm-hmm. and trip they go over there and like what the hell are you doing here and they get the guy and they're like beating the crap out of him saying talk to us yeah and it turns out he was sent there by somebody obviously from the zindi and he was and when he said i was told to watch flocks when he left if he ever yeah. left the planet because they it's like the zindi knew that flocks right. would be trying to help him in some fashion and i thought that was great a great little touch of like everybody knew nobody knew where the humans were but this guy does. And it's like, we got to watch him. Right. So it was like the patience of the Zindi is also interesting that they, yeah. you know, they really want to obliterate everybody and that's the level they'll go to. It was, it was, I thought the storytelling was just brilliant. Yeah. And it has also the elements around, there are character arcs that are so mm-hmm. subtly done. Trip bristles under the decision-making of T'Pol. There is, there are elements of conflict between the two of them where he was basically like, you just doomed us through your decision-making because she uses the ship that is docked, the Zindi ship that is docked with him. She uses it effectively like a club against another Zindi ship. And then the, the fallout of that is she destroys their ability to go at higher warp speeds, which slows them down, which leads to by the time they find the location of the production of the Zindi weapon, it's too late. The weapon has gone. It has, it has gone to earth. They then show years later, he's now captain. She's left the ship and he has mellowed in ways like he has, he is now filling that role. And Reed is also been given a captaincy. So you end up with these long-term elements for these characters that feel true to what their arcs would be. It makes sense that Reed with the experiences he's had would be given a captaincy. If he, if there was one available, it makes sense that when trip is fully in charge, he would wear that mantle a little bit differently than he would being an underling where he can question his captain's choices. But then when he's the one calling the shots, it's obviously changed his perspective and he's mellowed a bit. And the through line of all of this is that Archer is the one who arguably is not supposed to have changed. And I think Bacula does a great job in portraying the kind of stunned hurt of what this would be like the 
the kind of, it's almost a story of dementia from that perspective of the sorrow that he goes through when yep. he realizes I'm having a conversation with you right now that for me is the first time. And I'm realizing by the look on your face that we've done this before and the, the sorrow and mourning for himself, the mourning for his opportunities that are now gone. And in those moments of lucidity where he would recognize not only is this painful in the moment? I know I won't even remember it enough to avoid this pain again. I will relive this again without knowing it. And the, the pain of that, when he says to, to Paul, you don't have to say anything to me to show your gratitude for what I did because he was injured by saving her. But when he says, you don't have to give me gratitude because I won't even remember it. Mm -hmm. and the sadness with that's buried within that it's really remarkable this this also ties into for me the the storytelling for this episode is is spot on for this crew for these characters it does something it's almost an identical structure to an episode from ds9 deep space nine had an episode in which it did deal with time traveling, which it was Captain Cisco. There's an accident that takes him out of phase basically. And he's rubber banding back and forth through time. And the anchor point for him is his son. So he is going back and forth between his son as a young adolescent and then snapping forward to seeing his son as an older man. And as he goes back and forth in this way, for him, time is moving by in minutes. But yeah. for his son, you see what Jake Sisko's development is. And Jake Sisko's entire life becomes devoted to understanding what is happening and figuring out the perfect time to snap the rubber band, which will put his father back in the right time. That is a very, very personal story between two characters. It's, very powerful. it's a yeah, very, powerful very powerful story. It's effective. It's very similar to this in that you're giving that longer term storytelling to, to really say, what does this mean on that one? The scope really feels intensely personal. It almost doesn't matter what has happened in the larger scope, because what you're seeing is Jake has devoted his life to figuring out literally at what moment should I die in order to make sure my father can be saved. This is taking that and blowing it up to a galactic scale. It is yep. literally by Archer's removal from the captain seat. We see humanity loses, humanity is hunted, humanity will be exterminated. That is a scale that is unimaginable. And by the time that it got to, oh, I've discovered that my device worked but unexpectedly it works throughout all of time. Meaning if we can cure you, we will cure you back then. I was so invested in that discovery that I found myself thrilled at the fact that I was watching a 40 minute story, which felt at that point, like I'd been watching it. It could have been hours and it would have been fine. It could have been, I could have been watching this story unfold over a much yeah. longer period of time. And it, I suddenly was like, oh my God, I've only been watching this for 30 minutes. This is remarkable. It, and, and when they have that final moment of it has to be an implosion, they have to effectively destroy the enterprise to make this all happen. It of course 
falls to Archer himself. He is going through the last moments of destroying the ship, making sure the engines will implode. And he dies moments before I interpreted that as he dies moments before the ship is destroyed, that he, the last thing he does is throw the final switch on the engines to make them implode. Uh, at this point, all the major, everybody's dead. The, the bridge of the enterprise has been ripped out. Everybody on the bridge is dead. Uh, to Paul and Flocks have both been killed by the, the attacking Zindi and Archer is being shot multiple times from every direction and manages to blow up the ship and then wakes up in sick bay where as far as everybody's concerned, nothing, there's happened. no physical <laughs> impact from his having gone through that wave of the anomaly. It's really kind of remarkable that we have that opportunity, the storytelling figured out a way. How do we let the viewers know that Archer is critical to Mm -hmm. the future of the Federation, but do it in a concrete way without changing what we're doing here episode to episode. And they figured out a way to have their cake and eat it too. I just really across the board. I was just like, that was a great episode. It, it, it left enough of a mark that, and it had a point that you could almost argue an episode like this, what's the point? Because at the end of the episode, everything that just happened is, un, is erased. So yeah. what was the point of that journey? Well, the point of the journey is for us as a viewer, it shows the stakes that are involved. Yeah. It drives that home. So now it's like, it's raised the stakes for every episode that will follow from this one. So there mm-hmm. is a takeaway. There is mm-hmm. a meaning for it. And it wasn't just like a meaningless episode of a story that doesn't have any impact because it, yeah. it does. It's, it's, it's excellent. I liked it. Yeah. So viewers, listeners, let us know. What did you think? Do you agree that this is one that really fills in that the reveals, as Matt said, reveals the stakes, even though the elements, the outcome of the actions within the story itself don't occur once the reset has taken place. Do you agree that this was a critical thing for the storytelling in the series to let us know we have to watch out for this guy because he is that important. Let us know in the comments. You can drop into the comments directly beneath the YouTube video, or you can find the contact information in the podcast description. And if you don't want to weigh in, if you don't have anything else to say, you can just drop into the comments and just type Archer. And let us know that you support (laughs) him in his need to fill out, to fulfill his, his orders. Yeah. Today's code word is Archer. Archer. (laughs) So next time we're going to be talking about the episode North Star. Matt, any predictions? What will that be about? Probably a star that's in the North. Mm, Maybe the North Star even. Could be. Who's to say? I'm not going to (laughs) guess before we sign off, Matt, is there anything you wanted to let everybody know about on your other channels? What do you have going on at, uh, undecided? Uh, it'll be out by the time this episode's out, but there's an interesting, uh, invention that's about, uh, (laughs) molecules that can store solar energy for up to 18 years in a liquid, which is really cool. And then coming up in a few days after this video comes out is it's literally liquid sunshine, liquid sunshine. Uh, and then a few days from this episode coming out is one on using CO2 as a battery system for utility scale energy storage, which I just love the irony of we're trying to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. Well, we could use CO2 to create a gigantic battery. Mm. So it's, it's kind of interesting. 
Very interesting. Very sciencey. Yes. And I but look forward fiction. to I look forward to viewing those. As for me, you can check out my website, SeanFarrell.com. You can find out information about my books there, or you can go directly to your bookstore. You can go to Amazon, you can go to Barnes and Noble, wherever it is you find your books, even your public library, you can find stuff there and keep an eye out for more announcements regarding my new series, which will be coming out next year, which is the Sinister Secrets. The first book will be coming out next July. I hope you'll want to check it out. It is family fun entertainment with pirates and robots and a kid who feels guilty about the fact that nobody likes him. So if you'd like to support the show, please consider reviewing us on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, wherever it is that you listen. And if you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to trekintime.show, click on the become a supporter button and throw some coins at us. We appreciate each and every bruise. And when you do support us that way, you will immediately become a recipient of Out of Time, 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 <laughs> which is our spinoff show in which we talk about anything that catches our eye. It might be more Trek. It might be Trek that's out of order, like the new series that are currently airing. It might be Star Wars. It might be Marvel. It might just be anything at all. So we hope you'll enjoy that when you do listen to it. All of those ways of supporting the show, liking, subscribing, sharing with your friends, throwing some quarters at our heads. They all help so much. Thank you so much for listening or watching and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.